Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Off the Bench with Scott Sattler and Jason Matthews, the show that covers all things NRL. Welcome to Off the Bench for another weekend. No Jace Matthews again, so you've got Sats and Rook for your weekend. And Sats, how are you and how's your week been? Been great, really good. I mean, it's always good when you're leading into an origin, isn't it, Rook? Because there's just so much excitement. Um, I'm not a huge fan of taking origins to to locations that don't have a rugby league landscape. And, of course, this Sunday is in Perth. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be able to go over for the game and call the game. And um, I'm, you know, I'm very fortunate to be able to be there and see it live. It's a beautiful stadium. I love it. I get why they take it to these other areas. But I truly believe that Origin is about Queensland and New South Wales. I want it to be played in the in the areas. Heartland. That, yeah, the heartlands where the fans can have great access to it. But in saying that, Still exciting, very spiteful leading into this game. And there's been some tit-for-tat amongst both squads. Who's the grub? Who's the pest on either <laughs> side? Uh, so there's a few uh, hand grenades being thrown over the fence. And I love it leading into Origin. I don't think we had that during COVID. Everyone was just sitting around the, the bushfire having singing Kumbaya. Kumbaya because, yeah. <laughs> because we're just so fortunate to have the game still being played. But... Yeah, a little bit different now. Absolutely, yeah. I get what you're saying about uh, taking it to Perth and you realise that there's still tickets available for the game and they're one of the only codes that can't sell out the stadium. Is it really? Is Soccer gets sold available? out, AFL gets sold out, the Rugby Union gets sold out and uh, the state well, of origin. See, I think with the NRL, they don't care whether it gets sold out Absolutely or not because not. the government pays enough to get the game there. To get the game there, yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, that's nice and easy. Rep round this weekend as well. Plenty of big games going on, and we've got uh, the under nineteen state of origins that have already been played. And also, don't forget Lebanon versus Malta during the week. That was on Wednesday, Wednesday night. night. That yeah, was Lebanon, Lebanon one, up. thirty to fourteen at Belmore Oval. And that's uh, yeah, great for those guys. And the ones coming up all right throughout the weekend. Like it's going to be a mammoth weekend of rugby league internationally. I think you know, you you say this, I suppose a lot of time under your breath, but it seems as though that a lot of people are far more excited about the Tonga and New Zealand game oh, as they I'm are right about I the am. actual state of origin on Sunday. It's, it's sort of taken a lot, of the, a lot of the shine away from Sunday because everyone is so pumped about this game at Mount Smart Stadium and more so it's the first game back in, in New Zealand for, for over, well, what is it? 59 games. Well, 60 weeks of rugby league action hasn't been played in New Zealand. So, um, yeah, it's it's a great weekend. Great weekend. It's a great concept by the International Rugby League and the NRL. Absolutely. I think that once that Tonga New Zealand game gets done, we've got a full day, yeah, Sunday, and then it's we're in. Mm. And then obviously we know where uh, your loyalties are going to lie. We've got a prediction for the uh, the scoreline? Already straight off the top. Yeah, what are you going to go? Queensland 24-18. I'm going to say first try scorer Selwyn Cobbo. Man of the match, Tino Fasul Malawi. Oh, there you have it. Got it here first. Yep. Done. 
All right, well, uh, we've got a couple of good interviews coming up tonight as well. Uh, as you mentioned, the, the Tongan team, we've got uh, assistant coach or stand-in coach right now, Dean Young, who joined us during the week, and also the New South Wales enforcer, Junior Barlow. Bolo. Bolo. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, two good chats coming up uh, throughout the show. What we did forget is, and we didn't talk to this uh, with Dean Young, is that Wayne Bennett was meant to help him out as well with the Tongan side with Christian Wolf, who was – Tied up with UK Super League duties, um, but Wayne Bennett uh, got crook, isn't able to go over and help him for the game in New Zealand. Yeah, and yeah. with the uh, the Lebanon game as well, Michael Checker couldn't get back from yep. where he was because his flight got cancelled, so there's just been a few dramas, but mm. all good. Anyway, let's get into this. Time on Off the Bench to look back on the news of the week. News of the week, and obviously it's all going to be down to Origin Sunday night. And we had a good chat to Michelle Bishop, Michelle Bishop, I should say, during the week. She's in Origin camp with the Blues, and she may have let slip with uh, one of the selections for the Blues for the starting side, and also a bit of conjecture with the Queensland Origin side as well. Will it be Lindsay Collins or Jai Arrow starting, and who will be on the bench? Yeah, I, it makes sense to probably start with Jai Arrow because what worked so well for Queensland in game one was Pat Carrigan, Lindsay Collins coming off the bench, and then Harry Grant, and they made such a huge influence, played such a huge influence on the game just with the, the ability to raise the tempo of the game. And, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Jai Arrow does start the game because I'd like to think that after a win, Billy would like to just keep the same model as best as and as close as possible. So... If Jai starts in the front row, he'll just go for 15 minutes and then you'll see probably Lindsay Collins come on for him. Um, yeah, with Michelle Bishop, interesting enough, it, when she revealed, well, even though Apicorosau has been named at hooker, um, there's always, there's still this little bit of conjecture about whether he'll actually start or whether Damien Cook will start, but Apicorosau might have let the, the cat out of the bag. Oops. Yeah, let's have a listen to this. I can definitely tell you that the it's definitely not a furphy with the Appy and the Cook story. Um, that was thrown up a couple of times this week. Uh, but but I actually heard Appy Coruscant go up to one of the coaching staff just before the first media session and he said, am I allowed to say what's actually happening? Am I allowed to say that I'm starting? So I can, unless that, you know, sort of changes at the back end of the week, that was pretty much, well, um, a bit of a rookie error there right in front of a journal on Appy's part. But... Um, no, you're right. I actually probably would see Mark coming off the bench. Yeah, so, yeah, even though Appy's in his 30s now, what is he, 30, 31, um, maybe still a little bit naive. A little. a little bit of naivety around, uh, around being around the media. So, yeah, she's, a, she's always great for information, um, Michelle Bishop. But, but also with New South Wales, what will be interesting is that there are some rumours around which Michelle Bishop also um, – was her opinion in, in watching the dynamics of the team training in Perth is that she believes that Cameron Murray may start from the bench again and Angus Crichton will come into the starting lineup. Doesn't surprise me because Billy, uh, sorry, uh, Freddie Fittler likes to have big forwards, big mobile forwards. So to have Liam Martin and Cam Murray on each side of the field, it makes sense to start Angus Crichton, but I was, I'm a little bit more surprised that it may be Cam Murray again, if that's actually the way that it plays out. I thought it was a selection bungle by New South Wales in mate, mate, I fully agree. the first game. I think if I'm Queensland, I don't want Cam Murray there because he's not big in stature, but he's athletic. He gets around the field. He gets quick play the balls. He's, he does a lot of work, right? He does a lot of work like Reuben Cotter did for Queensland. 
Mate, I, when um, watching the game two weeks back, it was replacements for the Queensland side. It seemed to be seamless and nothing changed. With the New South Wales side, it seemed very disjointed from the start. Yeah, I and thought, I think they need to change that. Yeah, I thought New South Wales actually controlled those early stages of the game in game one. But when Pat Carrigan and Lindsay Collins, and then Harry Grant a little bit longer after that, but mainly Carrigan and Lindsay Collins, their first two runs were you know, 10, 15 metres. Your first run in origin, not a lot of people run that far in origin, especially your first hit up. And so... Yeah, you know, their introduction to Origin was, or mostly Pat Carrigan was his first game, was everyone tells me how tough Origin is. It's not that hard. Like, I just made a run for 15 metres. They lifted the intensity. New South Wales' bench wasn't able to go with them. So, And then Harry Grant came on and jumped on the back of that as well. So it sort of compounded the pressure on New South Wales. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Billy tries to keep that bench much the same. Yeah, interesting. Mm. Now, from your experience at Origin, was game one a little bit too soft? Coach, no. Assistant coach uh, Brandy Alexander came out and said uh, they needed to bring a little bit more mongrel to, yeah. to game number two. Now, the collision and the confrontation wasn't soft. It never is in Origin. But what was soft was New South Wales' inability to answer the questions that Queensland threw at them. And what I mean by that is that is that Queensland were physical and aggressive, so were New South Wales. Then Queensland got to about the 20-minute mark and said, okay, we're going to go to another level of intensity and, and physicality. New South Wales said, hang on a sec, we, we can't go with you. We can't go with you. So, um, so when it comes to soft, yes, a soft mentality from New South Wales and their inability to, to answer the call. So, And I've got no doubt that, Brad Fittler and his coaching team, Danny Badiris and Paul McGregor and Greg Alexander. I've got no doubt their message was to the New South Wales forward pack that if you're not going to aim up, well, we're going to have to find someone else for game three. Simple as that. And Michelle Bishop touched on it uh, in our interview with her during the week when she said she watched one of the most brutal training sessions that she had ever witnessed in her whole time as a journalist. So maybe they might be trying to up the ante at training to bring have that to, to the game. New South Wales have to be far more physical, and I'm sure they will be. It's a little bit like Queensland in 2006 when the, it was questioned, uh, the question was asked upon Steve Price and Petro Sivanaseva, is this going to be your last Origin Series? And we need to win this Origin Series for, for you two front rowers to continue being the cornerstone of our forward pack. Well, history tells us that Queensland go out and win that game. Petro and, and Steve Price were two of the best players, continue to win Origin Series after that. So yeah, it might be the same for New South Wales. There might be some questions asked to a few of their players. Listen, if you're not willing to dominate at Origin level, we need to find other people. Mm. Yeah. Now, talk of grubbiness during the week from both camps, a bit of uh, mud being slung both ways. Elise Kafusi and also Liam Martin being uh, being called out in the media. Um you probably have a fair opinion on this and it's probably just play on, isn't it? it was all, yeah, it was more around some some situations that arose at a game one where Liam Martin was what they called using grubby tactics, you know, sticking the elbow in the, in the throat and the face of players and basically just getting under the skin. Do you still um, grab like, grass and some grass in the tackle and rub it in people's faces nah, and that sort of stuff? No, it used to, be, used to be Vaseline. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, um, or Metzl. Metzl oh, was, yeah. was like a deep heat, yep. but worse. <laughs> so you'd, you'd throw that onto your forearms. And so when you tackle players, you'd rub your forearm across their face and they'd spend the next three or four minutes 
just trying to get water you can't see and some of the grubby tactics that players used to get up to. And and do you know what? What Liam Martin did in game one, it's play on. There's nothing wrong with it. Just don't even focus on it. And it, It's really just a message out of the Queensland camp to try and send a message to the, new, to the referees. This is what's going on. Keep an eye on it. But Felice Kafusi, on the flip side of that, New South Wales have said, hang on a sec, you've got your own pest. <laughs> but players, they welcome, you know, they welcome those sort of labels because they know that the pressure has been taken off the rest of their teammates when a lot of the pressure has been put on them. And on the flip side of that, again, Cam Munster, he's, he knows that New South Wales have got a target on his back. He knows that he's the best player on the field. He knows that if he dominates the game, Queensland win. And so when you talk about bringing pressure upon yourself and and putting pressure on the referees from those, you know, those what you call grubby tactics, which I don't think they are, Cameron Munster is saying, listen, I know I've got a, a target on my back. I know the New South Wales players are going to come after me. I welcome it. I want you to come after me, absolutely. Because what he's actually doing is it's showing the maturity in his game. It's showing that, I'm willing to take all that pressure and I'm willing to take all that pressure so all the pressure's taken off other teammates so you can do what you need to do to win the game. That's it. Completely different Cam Munster than we've seen in previous seasons. Now, Yeah, Cam's a little, he seems a little, little bit more methodical in what he does now. Like he's, a, he's like an, he's an assassin. Thinking you know? more. Where before it was Billy just... Billy Slater-ish. <laughs> yeah, before it was just, oh, well, I'll just play what, what's thrown in front of me. I don't care. He's still got a, a lot of that. There's also a little bit, little bit more of a, a methodical approach about what he does. Now, if the Blues shut down Cam Munster, mm-hmm. are they a chance? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've still got Daly Cherry Evans, you've still got Harry Grant, you've still got Ben Hunt, um, you've still got Josh Papali'i, Dane Gagai, Caelan Ponger at the back, young Selwyn Cobbo. Oh. And then when you think about all them, you've got Valentine Holmes is playing career-best form in the centre. So, but he's the Pied Piper. Cam Munster's the Pied Piper. If you control him, you'll control a lot of – it's like cutting the head off of the snake. Absolutely. If you'll be able to control him. Yeah. Now, youngster uh, from the Titans, Bo Fermor, got his call-up into the squad, which yeah. was a great result for him. Team not going so well this season. He's been a standout. But he's been absolutely outstanding. Yeah, he's been their best player, I think, um, Bo Fermor, the, the back rower. And boy from Dolby, a very strong rugby league you know, Heartland up in the in the Darling Downs, and you know it's it's basically just a you know it's just testament to how hard he's worked both for more and Murray Taulungi of course playing his debut. There was an option for him at one stage. He had to make a decision between playing rugby union or playing rugby league and committing himself to Queensland. So I'm pretty sure he's he's happy with his result. Oh, absolutely. And knocking back uh, the potential All Blacks jersey is there's nothing to sneeze at either. So he's mm. uh, he's chosen his uh, his path, and yeah. we will hopefully see him if he uh, follows in Wally Lewis's footsteps, like he did the visit at school that uh, yeah, that the same school, him. Brisbane State High that yeah. Wally went to. Yeah. Now another NRL news: uh, Luke Brooks. He's been in the news pretty much every single week this season, and there's rumours he's going somewhere. Well, yeah, look, could be anywhere. I mean, this has always been a discussion over the last couple of years about where if Luke Brooks is not playing to, I suppose, what a lot of people believe is what he's being paid at the Tigers, he needs to be shipped on to somewhere else. So, I mean, I, I don't buy into that equation. Um, 
maybe a change of coach. You know, I'm a huge Michael Maguire fan. I, I think if you can't play well under Michael Maguire, you can't play well because uh, he gets you ready for battle. And we saw what he did with South and a young Adam Reynolds and a young Luke Keary when they went on to win the comp. And I can, you see what he's done with his New Zealand side who are ranked number one in the world at the moment. So the guy can coach. So, But for Luke Brooks, I don't know, maybe as a change of scenery, you still take your same problems with you. If you're not playing well, you still take them with you to whatever club you go to. Your inability to shut out games, your inability to to stay in games for the entire 80 minutes, um, you know, fading in and out of games. Is that the coach or is that the player? That's probably the biggest argument here. Wherever you go, you, you know, those concerns follow you. It's about where you find the answer to those. And some players mature a lot later than others. Um, doesn't matter what position you play. But he has been mentioned possibly the Dolphins who don't have a recognised number seven or number six well, at the moment. they've got about 30 forwards and Yeah, one exactly. Back so if they can get him at the right price, he's contracted for 2023 at the Tigers. He's on reportedly upwards of around a million dollars. So if he is to go to another club, the ball sits in the court of the, the other club. And let's say, for example, it is the Dolphins. Well, the Dolphins have the ability to say, well, how much are you willing to throw in? And if... The West Tigers come back and say, "Well, we'll throw in four hundred. You'll be up for let's say six or seven hundred. You're not going to you're going to you're not going to jump at that for Luke Brooks at the way he's playing at the moment. Mm. If they say, "Well, we're willing to to put in eight hundred, which may, which might mean that the Dolphins only have to put in three or four hundred, he's probably worthwhile taking. So, still a fair bit of water to go under the bridge here because there's a lot of money involved. Now, the experience of Wayne Bennett, can Wayne get the best out of Luke Brooks should he go to the Dolphins? Well, I mean, history tells you yes. <laughs> yeah, because he simplifies everything, Wayne. And so history says that, yes, he would get the best out of out of Luke Brooks. What Wayne does, Wayne doesn't improve you physically as a player. He improves you psychologically. He makes you believe in yourself. He makes you believe that you are the best player on the field. He makes you believe you're the best player in the team. He makes you believe that you're the reason why the team is going to win. And so if he can do that with Luke Brooks and not have to pay a lot of money for him, well, Wayne will win again. And the Dolphins will win. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to their first season anyway. Now, New Zealand Warriors, you mentioned it before with the uh, the 60 weeks uh, that they haven't played a game. Just on that, first time in history since coming to the comp in 1995, they don't have a player representing Queensland, uh, sorry, New Zealand or Tonga. This weekend in the representative rounds. That's crazy. That's crazy. And that's on the back of how poor their form has been. The Warriors, yeah, but you're right. They have been away for 60 weeks. And, yeah, you've got to – like when you talk about psychological stuff uh, with Wayne, it's it's obviously got to be breaking the team down, being away from home for that long. Well, again, you physically you're present, but emotionally you're not, especially if you haven't got your family with you. Now, I'm, I'm led to believe – Pretty much all the families joined them for this season. And we've got to remind the listeners, yes, they're going back next weekend, the first week of July, to play the West Tigers, their first return home to return home match to Mount Smart Stadium. But they're actually not returning home full-time. They're still coming back to Australia. They're not returning to New Zealand until their actually official regular season is finished in August, first week of September. So... Yeah, still got to live away from home. They've had to build a brand new life. Players that have got families and kids and schools. and They weren't staying in hotels and motels. They had to go and actually rent their own apartments or houses and, and completely set up a new life. So 
difficult to do during COVID as well. So, you know, you've got to take your hat off to the to the Warriors and um, with, you know, the decisions they've had to make and, and the sacrifices they've had to make and, and the competition has continued to stay a 16-team competition. If they weren't able to play the Warriors, I've got no doubt the, New Z- the NRL would have been able to make it work with 15 teams. But you've got to take your hat off to the sacrifices they've made. Yep. All right. Well, let's get into a break. Uh, we'll be back with our interview with Tongan assistant coach Dean Young next. This is Off The Bench NRL. We'll be back soon. Welcome back. This is Off The Bench NRL. Welcome back to Off The Bench NRL for your weekend. And earlier in the week, Badge and Sats caught up with assistant coach of the Tongan side, Dean Young. Dean Young is the coach, standing coach, acting coach. Well, he's the coach for Tonga for this massive test against New Zealand uh, on Saturday. G'day, Dean. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you going? Sorry, I just got bad reception. Oh. Uh, no worries, mate. We've, uh, we've got you now. Hey, thanks for doing this for us, mate. How's the, how's the prep going for the big game, especially without the, uh, well, without Christian Wolf, the coach? No, it's been great. We had a uh, big day on Monday just travelling. The boys left about 6 o'clock or had to meet at 6 o'clock Monday morning and didn't get over here until about 4. So it was a big day travel and then we had a light session on Tuesday and sort of tried to get all the boys up to speed with the calls and um, all the systems that we've got in place. And then today was the main session and we trained really well. And after that, we had a fan day um, and went out and seen our supporters. So well, a day off tomorrow for the boys and um, captain's running, ready to go. That's right. Hey, Dino, what's important as a coach compared to NRL level, getting maximum impact in a real short time period? Oh, I think you just got to work hard on combinations because when you're in club land, the ideal situation is you've, you you know you put edges and middles together and they've got all pre-season to, to work together as small units where uh, you get into a rep camp and you've got two or three sessions to try to get those combinations up to speed and work out the best way to utilise the talents in your in your team. So we've worked hard on that. These boys just love coming to this camp, you know. They love spending time with each other and we haven't been together since 2019. So it's a different looking side that's... Uh, we've got nine nine players making their debut. There's only one one back in uh, Katoni Stags that's going to be in the back line from that 2019 series. So um, the older guys and the leaders have been awesome with those young guys getting up to speed with the cultural side of things and, and with the standards that they've all set. Just on that, you talk about the, the cultural aspect, uh, Dino. I remember reading in the Indigenous All-Stars uh, match, I was talking to some of the players as well we've interviewed. When they talk about going into camp, they learn so much about their culture that they didn't realise previously until they got amongst other teammates and learnt more about their, their background, their heritage. Is it much the same when the Tongan players get together? Yeah, it is. It's it's really interesting, actually, because I obviously grew up with not much culture. So the time that I spent in Tonga camp and I was actually assistant coach under Laurie Daly in Indigenous All-Stars week a few years back. And um, it, it's just awesome seeing um, how, how they go about things. And you quickly realise that it's not your way, it's the Tongan way. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you've got to fit in with you've got to fit in with the way they do things, and um, you know, and you're just along for for the ride. And um, hopefully, the boys have gotten something out of me this week. And uh, we just want to go and give the Kiwis our best on Saturday. You know, we've got a, a new look side and some fresh faces, and we just want to go there and, and give them our best. A hell of a side with you know Tamalolo, Kalomatangi, Olikawatu, some really some great players in the NRL. Junior Ramon and and Tolo. Uh, Tolu Kola, 
Um, what's the reaction been from the, the Tongan community in New Zealand, which we know in, in and around Auckland is very, very strong? Yeah, look, the, it's sort of hard to understand until you see it live. Like, I, I know it's a great spectacle on TV. I'm sure everyone's watched um, the Tongan games before where you see the sea of red, but... Um, I had no understanding of it until 2019 when my first involvement was and we beat Great Britain and beat Australia and seeing it live, how much it means to the Tongan boys to, to play for Tonga, it's, yeah, it's, it's a great experience and something that I don't take for granted and I'm certainly glad I'm a part of it. So, so Christian Wolf, uh, for the listeners that don't know, unavailable because he couldn't get flights out and he's got commitments in England. Um, will he be helping you in some way by proxy or are you, are you regularly in contact with him? No, nah, look, how, how it all started, he asked me to be his assistant coach uh, again for the mid-year test because um, I was one of his assistants for the, the 2019 Oceania Cup. And then as, as it got closer, things got more difficult for him over at St. Helens in terms of um, he would have been missing two games for um, St. Helens Super League. And it just panned out that he couldn't make it, make the trip over. So he asked me to, to fill in for him. And um, we've been talking regularly in the lead up to the camp and things change so quickly with squads like leading up to it about who's available and who's not. So we've been talking regularly and, um, you know, I just spoke to him tonight as well and just filled him in on the day how our training went and, yeah, we get along great. So, um, yeah, it's good, it's good to have him um, there for me to, to talk to him. Now, um, Katoni, you've mentioned him uh, earlier on, missing out on New South Wales jersey. Was it your job to talk to him and get to him early to see how that affected him? Or playing for Tonga, which is, means so much to both he and his family, is is enough for him? It doesn't matter about missing out on a blue jersey. Yeah, look, that's that, again, that's probably a question for, for Tony, but... Um... Christian sort of made all the contacts with the players about who was in the squad and whether they were going to play for Tonga or play for New South Wales. But once he got into camp, Katoni's been great. I coached him in the under-16s New South Wales side, so I've got a bit of a relationship with him from there. And I was obviously a part of the 2019 squad where he played 5-8 for us against Australia in that final. So um, he's been awesome at training. He's just rocked up and does what he does and rips into his training. It's been no problem, so he'll be ready to go. As Badge was saying, great talent at your disposal, Dino. Um, on paper, one of the strongest sides I think Tonga has ever fielded, especially in the forward pack. How tough was it picking a starting forward pack? Because you've, you've got a bench that a lot of nations and NRL clubs would, would be in awe of. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like We had a really good uh, forward pack in, in 2019 and a lot of experience outside backs with Will Hopawadi and um, just to name a couple, where this year it's the four pack is just, yeah, it's, it's scary how good it is. And then we've just got all this young talent in the backs that, as I said, we haven't, we've only got the one back from, from that 2019 campaign. But when it comes to picking the, the team, there's some really quality forwards left out of the, out of the pack. So, um, you know, the other thing that's driving these boys too is they know that there's only going to be probably 21 or 22 taken over to England for the World Cup. So although this is a test match and, um, the boys who want to put their best foot forward for, you know, the whole of Tonga, they also probably got their eye on the World Cup and they need to perform well on Saturday to make sure they get a seat on that plane. Is this, comparatively for, for Tongan players, is this like for us, our state of origin? Is this their biggest challenge? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that. I, um, you know, as a kid, I grew up, I just want to play for New South Wales. That was, you know, I want to win grand finals, I want to play for New South Wales mm. now. 
my experience with these boys is the passion they've got when they put that red jersey on matches any of that, without a doubt. Um, I'm not too sure what country they've got the most passion for to play against, but I was there when we beat Australia, and I know that that meant a lot to a lot of boys and uh, a lot of fans and a lot of people back in Tonga. But um, I know that the Kiwis, they've, you talked about our side, but their side, forward, backs, their spine, they're, they're a quality team. So we're going to have to play well to match it with them on Saturday. Yeah, you did. You mentioned earlier about those combinations. They, when, when you've got Brandon Smith at, at, uh, at hooker, Jerome Hughes in the halves, and you've got four Storm players in your forward pack, um, they certainly got some great combinations. They're going to be a tricky side to play against, aren't they, New Zealand? Yeah, look, I've sort of been watching you know, a lot of footy for a while. I can't remember a New Zealand side being this strong, to mm. be honest. Like, in terms of forwards and spine and their backs, you know, Joseph Manu at the back at fullback, Brandon Smith, and then Dylan Brown and, and Hughes. And like our side, their their side's all in form. So mm. it should be, you know, set up to be a cracking game on, on Saturday. Do you think this team... Dino can win the World Cup at the end of the year? Yeah, I do. Yep. I know when the team lists the names, you'll have the experts say that, you know, we won't be favourites and that's okay. But we've still got some players to come back um, into this team to strengthen this side already. You know, Will Hopawati and Lola Hia um, are overseas and they'll be eligible to play for Tonga and they'll add a lot of um, experience. Conrad Harrell, who's obviously great around the group and then whether Talakai... Um, commits himself to Tonga and then there's uh, um, Daniel Tupu mm. whether he plays for Australia so there's still a few players to, to come back that you know could potentially be in, in this side yeah we'll see but yeah one one step at a time yeah. big game this Saturday and then you've got to get through the NRL season and then World Cups after that yeah it's exciting for the international game before we let you go and you've been very gracious with your time I, I did notice earlier on you said you hope they got something out of you the team now talking to your good mate Toddy Payton Obviously, that wouldn't be money because he said you're very, very <laughs> scarce when it comes to shouting coffee, whatever it may be. Well, the thing is, we're in a shout, shout for coffees at the club, but we're all actually paying for ours when it's Todd Shouty uses the club card. So I don't know if he can be thrown. Too shame. Yeah, too shame. <laughs> Righto. Yeah. Hey, Dean, uh, really appreciate your time as, yeah. uh, as coach of the Mate Ma'a Tonga for that massive game against New Zealand on Saturday night. And we, we appreciate it, mate. And uh, we, we wish you all yeah, the best in the team. Good luck. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. This is Off The Bench NRL. We'll be back soon. Welcome back. This is Off The Bench NRL. Welcome back to Off The Bench. And the Tab Queensland Racing Carnival is where champions emerge. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. And the legend that is Chris Nelson is on the blower. How are you, Nelson? Very well, thanks, uh, Jeremy and Saps. Good, uh, good day to both of you. Now it's a, still a huge weekend of racing, isn't it? Because um, it's still a Group One, uh, Eagle Farm this weekend, uh, Nelson. Now I'm going to ask you one of my favourite jockeys, yep. Steph Thornton, who's riding. Uh, I think it was a Brooklyn Hustle in the uh, Tats yep. Tiara, the Group One. Can she win her very first? Group one this weekend. Well, I'd say she's got a good chance. I mean, I know Brooklyn Hustle is the sort of mare that a lot of people like to have a crack at because she's back in the field and she's running on late and always catches the eye and goes in the black book and and she doesn't win out of turn. But, look, she comes out of uh, the Stratbroke, obviously a very strong race a couple of weeks ago. There was only one horse in that race that broke 200 metres for their last 200, and that was Brooklyn Hustle. Uh, So she was hitting the line strongly, 
the thing that Steph needs to do, obviously, and we spoke to Steph on the punters, mate, Friday, is to is to get her into the open, and she's got to be close enough as they're halfway down the straight. If she's still, you know, eight lengths off the lead with 200 metres to go, well, she's got no chance in the world. So she's going to obviously be happy to sit three wide as long as she's got some cover in the run and then hook to the outside in the straight and let the mare loosen. And hopefully she's close enough to run them down. And at the price on offer... I think she's got a great chance of doing just that, and you can have something each way there, responsibly, of course. Now the tiara is over fourteen hundred metres, and as you're saying, uh, needs to get in, needs to give herself some space. It's only a short field; yep. it's only a small field. Is that right, Nelson? No, no big field sacks, big field of okay. runners. They've got uh, we've got a field of twenty-one. Oh wow! We take out some emergencies there. We take out some emergencies, so uh, they won't all run, obviously. Uh, we'll have a field of, by the time we get round to running, 17, I think, is the field limit. So, look, I'd rather her be drawn out in a wide gate because I just don't want to see this horse stuck away on the inside looking for runs between rivals because it's two-stop start. She needs to be wound up. So the wide gate uh, and the big field, hopefully that big field, and it should, on paper, generate a genuine tempo in front. Hopefully they go like, uh, like the clappers in front and stop which will help uh, Brooklyn Hustle get home over the top of them. So the faster they go in front, the better chance she's probably got. So Brooklyn Hustle coming out of, like you're saying, gate 13. Um, what is the biggest threat, do you think? Uh, look, I think Anna Visto. You mean the biggest threat to uh, Yeah, to, to Brooklyn Hustle. Competition-wise? Yeah, look, I think Anna Visto will run a race. This is the, uh, the Victorian mayor. Uh, she's very good fresh. She's fresh up on uh, Saturday. She won well at Flemington last campaign. And she races up on the, in the first three. So Snap Dancer, Anna Visto and Vangelica, the speed. As I said, I hope they cut each other to pieces for uh, Brooklyn Hustle's uh, sake. But I think Anna Visto will prove hard to beat as well uh, first up again. So Anna Visto in the mix. And look, if this one gets a run, mm-hmm. number 18, Salatine, the first emergency, I wouldn't uh, suggest that it hasn't got a chance either, around $30-odd, but... Chances of getting a scratching in a Group 1 are only low, so it probably stays at home in its box, the Salatine, but you never know. Wait till uh, Saturday morning to find out. What about over the rest of the uh, the weekend? Uh, you got some other tips? I've got some tips for you. There's not uh, We don't have the normal Sunshine Coast meeting on yeah. Sunday. That's uh, not this week, so uh, I'll, uh, I'll give you nothing else but Eagle Farm. Race 2, number 10, Uncommon James. Uh, having his first start back from a break, he's won 2 of 3, He's been very impressive, and I loved his trial at Zadoomban recently. I think he can return a winner, race two, number 10. Uh, race six, number eight, Burning Bell. Uh, trained on the Gold Coast by Team Edmonds. Another really nice type. Four starts, three wins. Should have won all four of them. She's a filly who can measure up in town, so I'm happy with her. Race six, number eight. And I will throw in, wanted a bit of price here, race seven, number seven, Chase and Artie. I say a bit of price. It's uh, it's well in the market, but still around five five dollars fifty. Chase and Artie comes out of a good race to Phoenix a few weeks ago. Political debate just beat Sharp and Smart. This one probably should have beaten both of them uh, if it could have got some clear running in the straight. Couldn't do so. Backs up here. I think it can run a race. I think they'll go forward from that wide gate. So race seven, number seven, Chase and Artie. Thanks, Nelso. And the Tab Queensland Racing Carnival featuring Stradbroke season is where champions emerge. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Mate, have a great weekend and happy tipping. Yeah, you too, guys. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, Sax. This is Off the Bench NRL. We'll be back soon. Welcome back. This is Off the Bench NRL. Welcome back to Off the Bench with Sats and Rook for your weekend. And during the week, we caught up with Blues Enforcer, Junior Borlaw. Junior 
Bowler. I think I've got that right. I'm pretty close anyway. Junior, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Well, great pronunciation there. <laughs> Thank you uh, very much. Uh, how are you? How are you? How's, how's, how's Perth? You guys uh, went over earlier, or much earlier than uh, the Maroons. You've been over there since Monday. Uh, how is everything over there in, in camp, uh, New South Wales? Yeah, everything's been good. Um, you know, obviously coming early and um, adjust to, to the time difference here as well. So, um, you know, I can't complain. We're parked up on, on the beachfront here. So once we get our work done, then we're able to relax and, and hit the water. So, yeah, like I said, it, it's all good vibes around heading into this camp. Is, is there a little bit less work to be done given the shorter week? Uh, and you've already got one game behind your combinations and everything else, you know, uh, and, and lots of training already done? Yeah, you could say that. Well, we'll be in short turnaround. You know, I think we've got a few changes to the team. So we obviously want to get those combinations right. And, um, you know, everyone just wants to nail their role. So on the back of game one's performance, um, you know, we've addressed the areas where we can improve. And um, we've definitely hit the ground running, especially when we've been able to come, come and um, set up camp on Monday morning here. Junior, you mentioned about those combinations and with a, a smaller lead into Origin 2, have you noticed with Crichton, who was there game one, of course, and, and now got a starting position, and, and Matt Burton, who won a comp there last year, do you just see those Penrith players just becomes really easy and streamlined when they, when you get into ball work on day one? Yeah, those guys obviously have the chemistry there. Um, you know, they've all, all um, been able to play aside, um, play alongside each other, and with Berto sliding straight into the um, centre position, um, you know, it's it's like they they already know what's happening. So, um, you know, we've got Stephen on the other side who's um, just stepped in and really just owned his role heading into this first couple of days of training. So we're definitely looking forward to Sunday. Now, Junior, as a, as a forward and a man that prides himself on, especially with Parramatta, you've prided yourself on winning the battle there with Regan Campbell-Gillard. Game one, it's fair to say Queensland won that battle. Now, what's Freddie's message been to the forward pack leading into this this second game? Yeah, well, we've obviously got to take it personal. Um, you know, as a front row, you certainly don't like to lose those battles. And, um, you know, I thought we, we sort of just gave them the leg up earlier in the game. And uh, in, in, the, in a game where momentum plays a big part, you've got to be able to get on the front foot early and lay that platform. So, um, you know, for us, we've got to be able to get out there and nail our starts. So, um, you know, in Origin footy, any... Um, get one start at it and you've got to be able to nail it from the get-go so uh, being able to generate that uh, ruck speed is, and sort of counter that as well is certainly what Queensland uh, were looking to do in game one and, and they pulled that off so we've got to be able to stay sharp on our toes but we also got to be able to cut the ball forward Yeah, look, Origin over the years it's it's always been the greatest rivalry in rugby league and, and mate against mate teammate against teammate and I want to ask you how how you go against one of your old teammates and, and, and good mate, Josh Papali or Josh Papali'i. Do you save a little bit extra for him or, or, you know, what happens out there in the field? Is there a little bit of a nudge and a wink at times when you're playing against each other in origin? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's origin footy. You leave everything out there. So, you know, it's what you say. It's mate against me. And, um, you know, whatever happens on the field, you just leave out there. You can't afford to save yourself um, at any stage in origin. Otherwise, you get found out early. So um, it's all about going out there and just, like I said, leaving everything out there. But Junior, does anything change for you from 
club footy. Uh, you know, one of the best hit-up forwards in the game. You're great, you're great offload, but you also at times you'll you'll play before the line as a as a first receiver. Do, does much change when you go to play under Freddie Fittler than what you do under Brad Arthur? Not necessarily. Um, you know, I think all that footy comes off running first. Uh, definitely got to have that think run um, first mentality. And yeah, um, you know, for us, it's certainly laying that platform. So. Uh, I find myself, if if I'm carrying, you know, off the back fence and being able to scatter uh, teams, then it certainly <laughs> provides that pass or opportunity to, to play off the back of that. Sifa Talakai mentioned, uh, sorry, named in Jersey 17, I should say, Junior. What role he, will he play? Will he be there in case a, an outside back obviously goes down? But has he also been mentioned that if a, a forward goes down, that he may have to be used in the back row? Yeah, look, he's that power powerhouse um, kind of player, and yeah, his, his role is there and to cover outside backs. But like you said, he's that powerful enough to play in the middle if, if anything is to to happen. But um, you know, it's definitely been exciting um, training beside him. So you definitely want to be um, playing beside him rather than against him. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing um, what showcases this Sunday. I'm not sure he's got a better beard, you or him. I'm I'm still haven't come to the conclusion yet. <laughs> So, um, but nah, there's, there's a fair few going around. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got pain, of course. Yeah, and, and Appy's got like a he's got like a spray on beard. He hasn't got a, a That's legitimate not real, beard. I think, yeah. Yeah, it's not a real one. Hey, um, yeah, no, well, you've got Jerome Lua who's hanging on to his little whiskers, so <laughs> he, he claims it's he's, a beard. He's collecting your whiskers when you have a show. Exactly, you have a treat. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope it's his whiskers and not his pubes. Hey, um, now. Uh, <laughs> Now Queensland are saying what? Queensland are saying that um, that Liam Martin has come out with grubby tactics. Now I've spoken to a few of the Penrith players over the years, Junior, and they reckon without grubby tactics, Liam Martin is just full stop grubby anyway. He doesn't shower. He stinks. Apparently, his body odor is that. Can you confirm that? Oh. <laughs> I was going to say they're not wrong. He definitely <laughs> is grubby, <laughs> whether it's on the field or off the field. <laughs> Oh, okay. Confirmation from a teammate. Hey, um, before we let you go, I want to ask you a little bit about the coaches. And and you know, there's more than just Freddie. You you've got uh, you've got Brandy there, and there's a who else is there? Uh, Danny Bedirus and Paul I just want to, If you guys have a bad training session, an ordinary training session, or part of it, which one of those guys' head is most likely to explode and go off at training? <laughs> Yeah, well, well, you got Betsy and Brandy who are pretty much level head, level headed, but yeah, we're probably more say say Freddie. So um, <laughs> it's more of a stern talking to rather than losing his head. So uh, definitely um, don't want to be on the receiving end. Yeah, he's he's pretty cool, calm and collected, isn't he? He can blow up when he wants to, Freddie. Yeah, he used to blow up really big time when he was as a player. Yeah, yeah. Have you been? Has he been getting you guys going barefoot over in in the west? Been earthing, earthing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been doing that every, every morning. That's how we start our day. So, um, you know, we're all used to it and all the boys are buying in. Does it get rid of your tinea, Junior, when you're earthing oh. with the bare feet in the grass? Or? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have real sensitive feet. I'm a shoes man wherever I go, so I've always got a <laughs> pair of joggers on. So. <laughs> Good yeah. stuff. cold in the mornings that time. Yeah, right. Oh, you, anyway, you know that was Scott Sattler that asked you that question, not yeah. me. So I'm just pointing that out for next time you run into us. <laughs> hey, Junior, great uh, great talking to you, mate. And uh, enjoy the the, uh, the rest of the week. And, of course, Sunday, we hope it's an absolute ripper of a game, Origin 2. We can't wait. No, nah, Legends, thank you. appreciate you guys having me on.